Hello, everybody. Just want to thank all of y'all. If it wasn't for y'all, this would never be possible. You know, just last year, I was trying to figure out what college I was going to. And this year, I'm going to camp to get training to be a missionary. I was asked to be the intern this year, which I was shocked about. But I was glad that it came around. And all that is because of all of y'all. All of y'all in here is, is part of my family. I, I've been here ever since I was five years old. All of y'all don't watch me grow up in this place. And we made a lot of memories here. Amen. Just thank all of y'all for that. But Camp Bimmy is a hard thing to explain. It's all action-packed all week. And well, actually, we didn't get enough time to actually go through it all. <laughs> but it was something you got to experience before you can realize what it actually is. But there's one thing that hammered in us right before, on day one. There's a few things that missionaries should always be prepared for, and that is preach, pray, die, or give a slideshow. <laughs> and you got to do all that within the five minutes. It actually was a life-changing event going there. They taught us all kinds of stuff. And everything they did had a mission base behind it. As far as eating food, they would give us food from all around the world. Each, each dinner we had was a, from a different country, but you had to eat it all. And the reason why is they gave us is if you go to someone's house that's in a, in a third world country, they're going to spend a lot of money to feed you. If you don't eat it all, you're going to offend someone. They'd be like going and they killing their chicken and putting it on your plate and you snarl your nose up and say, I don't like chicken. You know, you just lost that guy. And you might have lost a whole lot more than just one person. The campus ran by the um, 10 world directors. They all come in for this camp and another event they have every year. And it's made to show you what it's like to actually be out in the field. It's not an easy place once you realize. What we go in as a mission trip, it has been Americanized. It ain't what we actually see going on behind the scenes. And they show you that pretty quickly. Even all the way down to waking up in the morning. You, had, you woke up at 6 o'clock and in 45 minutes you had to make your bed, make sure all the wrinkles out because they did it military style. Vacuum the floor, clean the bathroom. You better be ready for dinner by, I mean, breakfast by 6.45. And the reason why they did this is because they said when you're on deputation, you want to leave the place cleaner than what you found it. And that sends a big example to you. And plus I'm supporting, well, I'm the face of this church when I'm out on deputation. So everybody that's here is actually a support of this type of ministry. But the campus itself, it was a um, alcohol and drug abuse rehabilitation center. It's 80 acres. It had this big building on it. And they turned the building around and made it look like a four-star hotel. And all that money that they put in it was all donated to them. And what they do for their missionaries at BIMI is they go on an extreme with them. Like if someone was be on the field and they get disability or they're about to retire, 
there's homes on these 80 acres that they automatically put them in, they're, and they're, they're free of charge to the day they die. Then they'll clean them and remodel them and have them ready for the next person. Or if you don't furlough it, they automatically bring you in free of charge to your alpha furlough again. Because most people, when they come off the field, there's nothing, they don't sold everything just to go, just to spread the word. And they actually will go in if stuff happens just to pull the missionaries out. It was three days before this camp go when they were having tribal wars in the Congo. And they went in and airlifted the missionary out. Within three hours, they found out about it. Which I asked them how in the world they have enough air support. They said it don't matter if it was American helicopters or the African military. They're getting them out. And when they actually send you out, they'll... They won't send you by yourself. They'll send you as a team. They make sure that you're ready to be by yourself and that the, the facility is ready to go before you, they will even leave you there. And most time, it's one of the directors that goes with you and it's one of their teams. I went all through that. I'm trying to change my speaking up a little bit without trying to use notes, so I just lost my parts. On Friday was the was one of the um, biggest events they have there. It was, it was called they called the international banquet, which everybody that's a student there dresses up as a, putting on on foreign clothes. Well, I had the my Filipino shirt on that Pastor Old and Miss Faye bought me, and everybody was grabbing it. And it's like that's all that's authentic. I was like, yeah, it came from the Philippines. They said, but you don't understand. Ours is cotton. This one's woven. I said, okay. I said, well, you know how expensive that shirt actually is? I go, not really. They said, well, if you had to buy it in American money, it'd be like $50. And I was, I was shocked because everybody's over grabbing it. It's like, that's a real brong. I was like, well, I don't know what a brong is. <laughs> <laughs> and I probably butchered that word up too. <laughs> and a lot of things they teach you, like, Using a uh, um, person to communicate, as far as the um, can't think of the word either, as far as interpreter. What you're actually saying and what they're telling the people is two different things. There's actually a funny video on YouTube about it, and, you, and I didn't realize that what our slang is and what they interpret is two different things. So that's why it's so important to learn the language of the country. And culture, we're not there to change them to little Americans. We're actually there to leave the culture alone but teach them biblical. The only time we go against culture is when it's not biblical. So like some of their travel dance and all that's not biblical, we've got to stop that. But anything else is culture, that's what makes them them. As far as like when we were going over the Caribbean, the, the food we had, what they said, well, each dinner is going to be something similar. I said, what's that? He goes, it's either going to be beans and rice for lunch. Probably supper, you're going to get rice and beans and breakfast. We'll just mix it all together. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought that was kind of funny. And some of the classes we went through, I'm going to give you some of the highlights of them. Like this one, what is deputation? 
Does anybody actually know what deptation is? Well, let's raise hand and see what, how many people think it's just getting money from churches. Anybody thinks it was just that? Well, I kind of thought that, I'll be honest with you. But it's actually a ministry. Well, you're getting sent out from your home church. You're representing your church. You're going out to different churches trying to raise money for a, a common good. First, you've got to be able to get, well, to get that church to support you, but you've got to win their trust, too. If they don't trust you, they're not going to support you. If they don't like you, they're not going to recommend you to anybody else, either. So the best thing about that is get there early and mingle with the people, just so they get to know who you are. So... Deptation is actually a work for the season. It's your, for your first season, for a missionary. Like I said before, it's not time to just gather money. But it's a time to build relationships with other churches and their ministry. Because when you get signed on by them, they're part of your ministry too. The biggest thing is you're being deptized by that church. Even though this is my home church and this is my center church, you still have to be deptized through these churches. And the part of another class we had was, how do I know if I'm being called by God to be a missionary? To know that calling... No one can actually give you that calling. It can't be a family member that tells you you're going to be good at it. It can't be your pastor telling you you're good at it. It has to be from God. Because if it ain't from God, you're not going to make it. It's too rough of an environment to do that. The three resources that you should always use to see if that calling is for you or not, number one, the Bible. The Word of God provides any type of knowledge that we need as long as you dig into it and find it. Next one is the Holy Spirit. So before you even think about that, you need to pray, 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 and probably pray some more because you want to make sure it's 100% what he wants, not what you want. Because it's not a vacation. Going to Michigan is a battlefield. It ain't a place to have fun. You don't go on the battlefield to, to play. You go there to work. You go there to win lost souls. You go there to bring them from the, the devil's grasp. Then the third thing you need to do is seek godly counsel. Such as talk to your pastor about it. Fellow Christians that are strong in their faith, just because they said they're Christians don't always mean that they're strong in their faith. And strong Christian parents which I do have, which is a great thing. Missionary, another class was missionary leadership. Without leadership, you got nothing. The leadership is where it comes and falls out. It's not an option. It's essential. Everything rises and falls with your leader. Leadership can also be lost by sin. You can do wrong, and you lost your leadership right off the bat. You can gain, went three years to gain it, lose it in a second. 
So you got to be careful. If you want to know if you're a good leader or not, start walking, look behind you. Who's following you? If you ain't got no one following you, you're not really a good leader. A leader cannot stop learning. Where his learning stops is where his congregation stops at. And his followers are going to be watching him every step he makes. So you got to keep your um, testimony clean and pure. Every day, you're going to have to, to um, pick up your cross and carry it. Because that's the only way you can keep a clean spirit. And we're still going to mess up. Just point at not trying to hide it, but confess it. Because no one is perfect. And we all sin. And we all know that. That's why God had died on the cross for us. But the leader is also the head, is the shepherd of, of the flock. When one acts up, he has to go after you. It don't matter what time of day it is or what time of night it is. It don't matter if he only got one hour of sleep, he has to go. And he's got to bring him back to the glory of God or try his best to. The worst problem I have with this is I am a people's person. And there's people that you're going to try, try, and try, and you just ain't going to get through to them which you know you do at that time, keep on trying. Because eventually they're going to hear something that might catch their, their mind. But you never give up on someone like that's lost. Because that would be the blood on your hands. These are just two classes we have. We were in class for four hours a day for five days a week. We were in chapel for three hours, so I could sit in a chapel, I could sit in a Sermon for three hours. Just let's not try that though. <laughs> Which was amazing. We had a a um pastor from a missionary from synagogue. And the first day he came up here, he came in his boo boo, which is a man dress. Which I thought was kind of funny, but he gave great messages. He gave messages like, "Don't fear what's what's coming, because God's in control." Or he gave messages like, it's all right, go ahead and get in the car, get moving, because God won't use you if you're sitting still. It's hard to steer a car when it's sitting still. And all his messages came to continue to move. Because you never know where God's going to put you. But he's not going to use you unless you're moving. Another class we went through, it was called Willing to Go, but Calling to Stay Home. And when we're staying home, the first thing that we all need to be is obedient. Obedience is the key to getting God's will done in your life. Second is being available, because God won't use you unless you're available. Third again is pray, 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 and pray some more. Fourth is be fruitful and consistent. Without consistency, you you really ain't nothing out there. Because you got to be every single step. You got to be consistent with it. You can't say tell one person this and change your mind to this person because it don't work that way. Because they're gonna go talk behind your back anyway. And the fifth thing is be a volunteer. 
there's a lot of things we can actually volunteer in this church, such as soul winning, visitation, the bus ministry, a nursing home ministry, Sunday school, children's church, the youth ministry. We got VBS coming up. It'd be nice to see if we get a jail ministry through here. That'd be kind of cool to see. But the main thing is getting involved. You're not going to be used until you start moving and getting involved. And we can do it, and we can do that right here in our own backyard. This is our Jerusalem. We got lost souls right here. Everybody was calling the Great Commission to be a missionary. They're all we were all called to go out and bring the lost souls to God. This is the way we can serve them in our own home. So another one that class I went through, and this is actually the book they gave us. And you can tell it's full. And most of it's just it's devotion and class time that we all had to go through. And other things we learned there was different electricity, because every country has a different plug on the house for some reason. Wiring's different, so yeah, we learned that. We learned first aid, because some of these places where you're going to, you're it. You're the person that they're going to come to for everything. So you got to be ready for the you got to be ready for the unbelievable, because that's what's going to happen. And when I was talking, listening to the pastor from synagogue up there talking, he was talking about how some of the people that was coming out from the other countries to his church, he was talking about this guy named Joseph, which he don't understand why a Muslim family gave him a, a um, gospel name. But they brought him in, and they converted him into Christianity because he was going to, to school to learn more about Muslim, to be a Muslim pastor. So he went back home. The first thing they did when they found out that he was a Christian was they stripped him of his clothes, threw him out in the middle of the village, told him to walk home. When they found out that that didn't work, humili being humiliated didn't work, they were still going back to church. They decided to take him to the witch doctor, which what happened there was the... He, the other people that was in the rooms beside him, he converted them through the walls. So the witch doctor called his dad up and told him that he needs to get this demon-possessed man out of here. So he goes back home, and he gets dressed to go back to church. His dad told him, he walks through that door, you're never my son again. He said, well, I'm the son of God. He walks out the door. Now he's a pastor at that church. Which is amazing how God works in these third world countries. So we don't see that here. We get mad and a lot of times, instead of just cooling off, we'll go find another church. We see it all the time. But there's a lot of stuff that we won't see that is going to happen. So always be ready for the unbelievable. I'll put this book back here. All right. This time I'd like to pray, then we'll go through the message I got tonight. Dear Lord, thank you for this wonderful day. Thank you for this family I got here. And Lord, I know without you, I'm nothing. I'm not, I might not be the sharpest tool in the shed, but I'm glad you're using me. And God, please let this sermon bless everybody and bring something out of it. In your name, amen. And the sermon is called How to Be a Good Missionary, which we all were called to be a, good, a missionary. We're going to First Thessalonians Chapter 2, we're going to go through 1, verse 1 through 13. 
And the Bible says, make sure I'm right. For yourself, brethren, know our entrance is unto you that it was not in vain. But even after that we had suffered before and were shamefully entered, as ye know at Philippi, we were bold in our God to speak unto the gospel of God with much continuation. For our exhortion was not of deceit, nor of uncleanness, nor of guile, but we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel. Even so we speak not as pleasing men, but God with teareth our hearts. For neither at any time used we flattered words, as ye know, nor a cloak of covetousness, God is witness. Nor of men sought we glory, neither of you, nor yet of others. When we might have been burdensome as the apostle of Christ, but we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherished her children, so being affectionate, desirous of you, we are willing to, to have impart unto you, not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because we were dear unto us. For ye remember, brethren, our labors and travel and laboring night and day, because he would not be chargeable unto any of you. We preach unto you the gospel of God. Ye are witnesses of God, also how holy and justly and unblameably we behave ourselves among you that believe. As we know how we exhorted and confronted any charge, every one of you as a father doth his children, that you would walk worthy of God, who had called on you unto his kingdom and glory. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, received it not as the word of men. But as it is in truth, the word of God, which efficiently worketh also in you that we believe. So in this passage, this was written by Paul, which was probably the greatest missionary in the Bible. He also wrote most of the New Testament. But he was evangelist at this time. And the first part we see in verse 1 and 2 was the preaching of the gospel. The Thessalonian church was born through faithful preaching. And the Thessalonian church was also matured through faithful preaching. So the first thing you do when you're in the mission field, don't get sidetracked. You're there to bring the lost souls to God. That's your main focus. The second part we see is keep integrity. Uncleanliness will take you down. Covetousness. The three pitfalls 
that we see in ministry, they told us it was a three S for, for the males. It was finances, females, and fame. Finances was when, you, when you're lacking money and you're trying everything to get money, you're relying on yourself more than you're relying on God. Part of the females, they said, was most women in other countries, that would be a gold ticket they get an American man. So they'll do anything to break your marriage up just so they can have what they want. And third is fame. A lot of these places we go, and you're, you are American. You're, you're looked higher than most people, which you shouldn't be, but they do. Then another part is, the third part is, abolish pride. That's verse 6. Flattering others is still pride. Flattering ourselves, still pride. Flattering God, even though we think it's, it's okay, it's still showing you above God. It's still pride. Forgetting about somebody and fix your heart and mind is being a servant. You got to humble yourself to be a servant. You got to give up your pride. You got to give up everything to be a servant. Verse 4, I mean, the fourth part is patiently work with people. Sometimes working with people is aggravating. We all know that. Especially when you work in the workforce and you got somebody just here yelling at you because their car's broke. I can't help it. I didn't build it, I didn't buy it, I didn't break it. <laughs> I can fix it though. And bringing people to Christ is the same way. You got to work with them. They're not just going to come to you because you're American. They're going to look at you like, what's wrong with this guy? What's he speaking about? And number one goal is we're not there to make them little Americans. We're there to bring them to Christ. And another thing is, in all in this part of the Bible, Paul did not turn them over to a babysitter. He was the one that kept on and on till they were converted. He personally ministered each one of them. So do we. And the children didn't grow up to be instantly Christians either. He worked with them too. He had to keep on and keep on and keep on. Preparation is a something I really do need to work on. But preparation is like a nursing mother. She eats food to transform the food in her body into milk so she can nourish her baby. As in ministry, you must feed on the word of God in order to properly nourish the people that you're ministering to. you got to be spiritually an animatic. you got to produce spiritually animatic congregations. So the people you're, you're speaking to, by the end of the day, they should, they say they'd be a stepped on because they know they just got convicted or they should be uplifting. And it is possible that, that a missionary will get himself so busy that he stops bringing in the Word of God. He'll stop doing his devotions because he's so busy. When you get to that point, you just need to stop. You need to sit down and reevaluate what you're doing.
because you should never have not enough time to be in the Word of God. It takes personal dedication. Paul's love for the Thessalonians was so great he would die for them. How many people could say they actually love someone other than their spouses and their children so much that they would actually put their life down for them? Paul did. The messages are, the sermons you have on the weekend is important. But it's not as important as going home to home to build a personal relationship. And if God's calling you to be a missionary, be committed. Don't give up when times get hard. And times are going to get hard. The devil's going to jump on your back. He's send his minions and everything else because he don't want you to do that. The more lost the soul is, the happier he is. Another part we see in verse 9 is preserving work. Labor and travel is basically tool and hardship. The mission field is not fun. It's not a playground. You're in there for work. It's a battlefield. Results ain't going to come overnight. The guy that was preaching to us, he said it took him three years before he converted the first person. I don't, well, I don't know if I had that much patience, to be honest with you. That's something I have to pray on. That's a long time to be pouring your love in, some, in the people to finally get one person. Then he said finally one, old, one elder gentleman from another village came in there, and they remember another missionary that was in there. He said, as soon as he said his name and he said he was affiliated with them, he said, I got 300 people the next day. He said, we were so full that they were sitting out of the windows listening to me, which was kind of exciting. So never give up. It's a, rough, it's a rough path to go down. A pure testimony is something that you have to keep too. Being holy Carefully fulfilling God's duties that he's given to you. You have to be just. You got to be integrity, uprightness and character, and behavior. And the biggest one, you got to be blameless. You should never, should be no fault in him. And the pastor's theme of this, we see in verse 11. The mission work is the difficult and demanding but one should never be too busy to speak to another member. One part you should exhort to call one side and give them encouragement. You should be a comforter. You should encourage toward and be active with them. And you should always be able, right off the bat, give your testimony to them. There's more people that gets wind over by hearing hardships and testimony than there is actually going than me standing up here and telling you as a one-on-one. And the last thing we see is praise God for the results. He's the one working through you. It's not you. If you think it's just you, that's pride. That's not, that's not being humble to God. That's not picking your cross up every day and walking. So as we see right here, we see a lot of lost souls out here. And we, we are the missionaries of this place. And we all should be out here going out there and 
picking up the lost. We see them all day. God puts people in our place every day, and we just walk by them like it's nothing. Be like the homeless man on the street. That man could have been so messed up in a war that he actually put his life down for you, and you don't know it. But he's so messed up that he don't know nothing else but living on the street. And these are the type of people that we have to reach around here. And at this point, I put a presentation together to show you how many lost people there is in this world. So if y'all got that ready. And this is what I put it as the lost world. In Africa, there's a thousand unreached people groups. So let's think about it a minute. These ain't just people. These are people groups. So if there's 100 people in this people group, that's 100,000 people that's, on, that's never heard the word of God. They're mainly Islamic religion. And the ones that say they are Christians usually mix their culture in with it, and they actually still salute and pray to spiritual gods with Christianity too, which that don't go. There's one God. That's it. In the next 10 years, there's going to be the 15 biggest cities will be in Africa, the way the population is growing right now. There's 54 well, countries, eight territories, that, and, 20, and 21 countries that has not been able to hear the gospel. Let's go to the next. Asia, North Pacific. China is the largest population of unreached people. Mainly it's because it's against law to have a Bible in China. Everything has to be underground. You get arrested and killed for being a Christian. There's 1.5 billion people in China that is unreached. Hong Kong alone has 7 million. In Japan, there's 126 million unreached. It's the second biggest, the largest in the world of unreached people. Mongolia, 3.2 million unreached. South Korea, 5.7 million unreached. North Korea, 25.5 million reached. And you go into your metro cities of Asia. You got Tokyo, 38 million. Shanghai, 25 million. You got Manila, that's down in the Philippines, which is still right in that district. There's 1.3 million. And Tupa, which has 27 million. And all these are unreached people. It's not the population, this is unreached. In the Caribbean, there's so many different backgrounds and cultures in it. This is the third world. It's a third world country, but they act like a first world environment. 30% is under the age of 15, and only for 15% knows the true way of salvation through Jesus Christ. And Cuba right now is closed to all missionaries. They're not allowing or accepting anybody in. They do find out you're a missionary, you're dead. Southeast Asia, most of them is Buddhist, Hindu, or Islamic religions. There's more Muslims here than anywhere other place in the earth, which blesses part of India. They're extremely religious, but their faith is based on going to a statue and praying. That statue cannot hear you. That statue cannot listen to you. That statue don't have a heart. Only thing they're doing is praying to a piece of metal. There's 35 million 
people, which is 50% Hindu, 34% of them is, is Islam, and 7.6 of them is Buddhism. And the other 9.4 is the other religions of the world. Neymar is 88% Buddhism, which is right on the side of China. So the China's influence is, is horrible on them, and China's trying to take them over right now. Vietnam, 70% Buddhism. Middle Asia has the fastest growing rate. 96 million people that is unreached. That's 90% of the population there. Central America, which is Mexico, has 173 unreached people. I'm sorry, 173 million unreached people. 40 million in Mexico City alone. Guatemala, 16.5 million are lost. Brazil, 4 million that are lost. Honduras, that's 6 million people that are lost. El Salvador, 6 million. Costa Rica, 6 million. And Panama is 4 million. And all these people are still lost. Europe. They got the gospel before anybody. Paul went to Philippi as the Macedonian call, and it spread up in the gospel. Not anymore. There's 50 different countries here. 750 million people lost, and the major one is, major religion there is Catholic. There's Orthodox Jews there, Islam, and Protestants. The North Project and Canada Project. This just started to happen with COVID, with the Prime Minister that they just had. They just got in about a year and a half, two years ago. But they're now attacking any church that believes in, in salvation by faith. There's been pastors getting um, arrested. They're starting to do, put their churches underground because of what they're doing. Once they arrest the pastor, they fence the church off and they put security around it so you can't get into it. So they've been doing it at their homes. Well, as soon as they found that out, they've been season, going to homes and season and arresting people. So this is basically in our backyard. I mean, just right up the hill from us. And this is the government doing this. And the next, so what about America? How far off are we in America? We should be the light of the world. We still are the light of the world, but we still got a lot of lost people here. We got people migrating here all the time. So I put a, I have a video put there, and after this, if you don't mind closing us in prayer, and we'll see about America. cities in America are attracting multitudes of people each year. They come for employment, entertainment, and for educational opportunities. The majority of the unreached and unchurched in the United States now live in large cities. 
America is now one of the four largest unchurched countries in the world. Only China, India, and Indonesia have larger non-churched populations. next few minutes, may God help us to see the multitudes.
who's going to reach the many metropolitan cities in the United States? We can no longer bypass America's metro mission field when it comes to church planting. Will you pray for this great need? Will you give so that church planters can be sent? Will you go? Contact us today at Reseeding America Ministries, a division of Baptist International Missions, Incorporated. <laughs>